0: Episode of Off the Record Show. Different though, I'm a guest host here, Surig Ross. I'm helping uh, Aram uh, and CrowdLinker team on the content side. And I'm doing an interview with one and only the CEO of uh, CrowdLinker, Aram Malcolm. Aram, great to have you finally.
1: awesome Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's so funny when we actually do this interview and you are actually the host of all the episodes before. Just interesting how the whole dynamic actually changes.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm I'm I don't know what to expect. So uh I'm gonna do my best here as a uh, as the <laughs> participants, not the host this time.
0: So we're gonna start with uh with some heavy things because I mean I can t- tend to like those. <laughs> so, you, so you, you go uh, deep
1: right into it, huh?
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're not sparing any time. So you went to you almost went out of business. Uh after pandemic yeah. hit. You you've been I know that's that's what I said. <laughs> Uh, you as a crowd linker like you uh, basically were growing company for multiple years for five plus six plus years and then pandemic came in and you kind of almost lost most or a lot of paying clients what was going through your mind at that time when you realized like we are in this really very difficult position
1: yeah yeah that's um i haven't talked about this publicly yet i mean only internally within the team but there's a bit of a context leading up to what, uh, pro- what, what happened to get to that point. So, um, uh, I was approached, um, at the end of uh, 2019, and then I spent the next three months working through potential acquisition of the company. Um, uh, the buyer was interested in our capabilities as a product team for his R and D initiatives. And it was a publicly traded company that was in the ride sharing space and, um, I thought, okay, you know, cool, like I, you know, it's been eight years, let's do, let's do an exit, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. And, uh, Little did I know how much time it would take to go through the whole process. And, uh, I kind of, I kind of, uh, lost, lost, uh, perspective a little bit in terms of the more important things they should have been focusing on. And so when the deal kind of fell apart, just when the pandemic was, was, was was starting to pick up, um, I had basically. I lost my attention to my sales pipeline um i was too focused on this deal and uh when that deal fell fell apart i was kind of like stuck i didn't know what to do because we had a pretty large team at that time and we didn't have a pipeline and then when um the pandemic started uh you know scaring off a lot of our own clients in terms of like pausing budgets canceling projects or or pushing them out later into the year, I basically, I think lost 75% of our ongoing work at the time. And uh, I started to panic. Uh, I was, you know, borderline depressed <laughs> you because, you know, I had to make some really tough decisions and we had to do it. And uh, we uh, did temporary layoffs across, uh, across the entire team. And um, I kept some of the team members who we still had some smaller work for as contractors. And um, for about a month, uh, my business partners and I were actually looking at different kind of insolvency approaches, speaking to bankruptcy lawyers, and we're trying to figure out, you know, personally and business-wise, like, what do we do? What are our options, right? Because we had a lot of... Um, we had a lot of debt that was kind of picking up at that point and um we had to consider all options at that time and um yeah it was it was really, it was a really sad time it was probably like the lowest point of my life to be honest and uh i uh i didn't think we would get out of it but the team actually gave me the encouragement that i needed because they're like you know we're here we're uh, we're sticking around let's figure this out and that gave me the motivation to actually get up every day. Um, uh, and, uh, I spent then, I think April, May, rebuilding a pipeline, refocusing our sales efforts on businesses that were thriving in the whole situation, uh, with the, with, what the pandemic was causing. Cause there, you know, there are industries that were booming, um, during this, um, unfortunate, um, right. uh, crisis. And, uh we rebuilt a pipeline. Uh, we rehired, I think, about half the team back on payroll, um, and uh, we've been steadily building things up again. And we have, uh, you know, runway again, and uh, we've paid off all the debts, and uh, uh, we're we're actually set up for having a really good quarter this year. So um, it all happened, you know, it feels like an eternity during that whole process. Um, but uh, it was a lesson learned for me. I mean, the main thing for me was that I learned never take your eye off the prize. And the prize should be having always a pipe um, in, it, in, in your business, having um, a good cash flow um, forecast uh, planned out and uh, you know, not putting all your eggs into one basket. And we were too focused on A lot of our billable work and we weren't diversified enough at that time and um, yeah uh, I probably learned more in those very difficult couple of months than I think I did in like the last long while so yeah it was uh, it was painful
0: it's uh, interesting how Ben Horowitz actually describes it or at least I've heard that uh, when he he did like he talked to a lot of CEOs wrote the book and uh, he said that a lot of CEOs, the way that they describe their, their work, their, their, they basically takeaways uh, from, from their journey is that the, the moment of pride for them is that they didn't quit. That's really, their like, that's, that's what, that's what they do versus other folks who are a little bit kind of more mediocre type of CEOs. They're like, Oh, I did this. I did that. They, they are, they're, they're in numbers versus like other CEOs. They're like, Hey, I just, I was here. Didn't go anywhere.
1: Yeah. Um- Oh man, I have so much to say about that. Um, If you look at a CEO, uh, um, they have borderline, uh, very different psychological traits as a person than the normal, than the regular human. I think, in my opinion, and if you look at people like Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, a lot of like, there's tons, thousands of really successful entrepreneurs, and they're the ones who never give up. They're the ones who, against all odds, they stood out and they were resilient to whatever was thrown at them. And despite all their challenges, they got up every day. And this is my thing that I say to myself. I'm like, I have a lot, a lot of shitty days. And I say to myself, tomorrow, uh, I know the sun's going to get up and it's going to be a new day. Whatever happened today, it will be gone tomorrow. And I'll still have those problems, but I'll have the opportunity to like figure them out. And the moment the sun doesn't get up the next day, then we're all fucked anyway. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter at that point. Um, But I think to have, to be an entrepreneur, you gotta be a bit crazy. You gotta be uh, outside the norm of at at times like reality uh, in terms of what can be done, what uh, and whatnot. And you got to be resilient, like you got to be really, really, really resilient towards anything. Um, So it's a tough job and it's definitely not for everybody. Um, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who want to get, I know a lot of people, sorry, who want to get into the entrepreneurship space and I try to understand why they do it and uh, you know a lot of people who say oh it's for money i'm you know i'm gonna run my own business uh and i'm gonna make a lot of money and i'll be in control of my own life and whatever um there's actually like a very different perspective across that it's that when you are the ceo of your own company you have to please everybody it's not um it's not all you you have to please your clients you have to please your shareholders You gotta please your team members, your employees. You have to be constantly juggling everybody's wants and needs and desires. And you gotta put those always in front of your own. Um, And it comes with a lot of sacrifices, uh, things that you probably don't wanna do at times, but at the end of the day, you kind of have to put your pride and your ego aside. And you really got to figure out how you're going to solve whatever challenges thrown at you. And a lot of the people who I speak to, they don't understand what that really is. And they don't understand the amount of effort personally or professionally you have to kind of go through, the sacrifice you have to make with your family. Like I have, you know, my wife's incredible in terms of supporting me over these last 10 years I've been an entrepreneur. And um, I have three kids and she understands that, you know, I have late nights. I might not be there and uh, I, um, I'm doing my best. You know, that's kind of what I always say, you know, when she's asking me like where I am or what am I doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm only just trying to make something work at the end of the day and, uh, you know, keep my team employed, make a change, push the boundaries in terms of what we can always do. And, um, what I want to do as an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, we are all kind of like a speck in this whole universe and whatever legacy I can leave behind, small, big, whatever it is, that's kind of like the only thing that I kind of look forward to is like, what can I do? What can I change? What, what micro macro factors can I change to make it for the better, make it, you know, make people's lives better with great product software that impacts them on a daily basis or you know tons of other
0: things. What point of difference, Aram, keeps you in the game? Or you can call it superpower, you can call it uh you can call it a thing as if you were to pick, if you were to say that's the thing, and maybe it's gonna be to disappointment or to delight to the listeners. Uh what would that be? Or would you what would you put it down to
1: um <clears throat> uh for me personally it's uh uh knowing that i have a family uh around me like my wife my kids that that keeps me going um it's kind of like a weird thing but when i'm alone when they're away or you know they're on vacation i'm here working like i i don't i'm not as effective um it's it's a weird kind of thing but I don't sleep as well um I have a lot more stress funny enough when I know that I'm at home with my kids and everybody I actually feel more empowered more encouraged uh I have a purpose you know in some shape or form um that's what also motivates me aside from the fact that I have a really awesome supportive team that is uh, there for me uh, and helping me whenever we have like some obstacle in our way. And uh, they're the other kind of half of, uh, of my kind of like spectrum of uh, my superpower is uh, family and my team. Um, my family, my team is in many ways, my, my family. Like we spend more time together than I do with my own family. Um, and, you know, it's uh, and they, they, they understand that they appreciate it. And I think it goes, it's mutual. Right. Um, and when we all have one unified purpose, one unified goal, it's amazing what we could do um, towards hitting that goalpost of ours. Um, and so that's what excites me is I'm just one person, but when I'm, you know, working with uh, a lot of my peers and my team members, what we do together is what, is what excites me.
0: It's an, it's amazing how the perception works. Uh, It's, it's like uh, people look at you from the outside. There's all this, facts, success, all this uh, on paper it looks incredible. Uh, and it always reminds me of that Peter Thiel, a little story when he said he wanted to get into this accounting, I think it was an accounting or legal uh, company uh, in New York. And he said on the outside, everybody wanted to get, get in, on the inside, everybody wanted to get out. It's really, uh, it's really like the price that you have to pay and people just don't know the real price. Maybe should, yeah. they should hang out with the CEO a, a little bit more. As, as in a certain capacity and just to see what it is.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, nothing is really what it ever seems. Um, I don't know, I got countless stories of client engagements or other large organizations that we've come across, uh, not as clients directly that I've interfaced with. And it's uh, surprising how unorganized or how unstructured a lot of uh, companies are run. And I'm not saying we're perfect by no means whatsoever, but you you think that you know um, at large companies that are like brand names, you think they have it figured out and that they have an amazing structure or process or uh, a way to do talent retention or whatnot but um, everything is always surface level until you get in there you realize that you know it's not as peachy as one would think. Um, so yeah, it's never, it's never really what it seems like anywhere, right? It's this- well,
0: uh, I, I'm just gonna, I, I know it's probably gonna sound biased to uh, to, to, the, to all the folks, but I will say Crowdlinker is the most structured company I've ever worked for, by far, wow. in, in, in every way that you operate uh, in as the team, it's extraordinarily structured and, and the amount of detail, attention to detail is something I've never seen before. I worked with other startups that are still—they're fast, that have a great team—but the attention to detail with with your team is pretty exceptional. And for me, what it shows me its pretty pre—it's—it's it's really that that culture that comes from you, because I've seen how you work. You, uh, I, I watched—I I like to observe the behavior. So whenever you open the Google Doc, the first thing most of the time you would do—you would go and correct a, sp- a spelling error or a typo. Yeah, <laughs> people.
1: I don't know I have people mentioned that to me so many times that I could be very specific or attention detail oriented towards certain things or this is another example like in our office I'm, a, I'm pretty technical I, I know networking and a lot of IT stuff and um, I would spend lots of my time like organizing the network making sure that we have a good speed cleaning up and organizing people's desks. Like I'm, I'm known for being crazy like that. But my, my thinking is that if you have, if you care and you love what you do and you have the passion towards what it is that you are, are working on, if you, if you make it nice and structured and pretty and clean and organized and something that you want to work in or work within it gives me a bit of peace of mind as like a person, maybe it's just me, I'm crazy, um, but it helps me like know that, okay, like I have a standard and I know that when people get to our office or get to their desk and, you know, things are kind of ready and organized, all the wires are cleaned and, you know, pretty. <laughs> so I, I'm i a bit meticulous, that kind of stuff, but I think it carries through towards everything that I do that I'm uh, I try to be, I try to put love into what I do. Um, and uh, I think it works. Um, Caring about what you do, I think if you don't care, then what's the point at the end of the day? Right. What are you doing and why are you doing it then, you know? Um, So, yeah.
0: I want to talk about uh, some of the client work because you have a lot of examples of that. A lot of times, and this is, I've heard it not only from you, I've heard it from a lot of other folks. It's off-putting when clients treat you like shit. And that's an unfortunate thing where uh, these companies that have big brands on the outside, they're not as anywhere near as great on the the inside. They hire a company that actually is really, really smart in what they do, because you do that. You do product development, you do website development, and then there's all the relationship that, or the the way that they look at you. Um, Why does that happen? how do you find that dynamics evolving? And um, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's a, a sore spot. Um, over the years, uh, it took us a long time to build a, a reputation and a brand around what we do. Right, like uh, we used to be our, a startup building our own SaaS products, and um, when we went to the professional service side of uh, of the industry and started. Building product for other people. Um, initially, like you know, we had lower rates, hourly rates, and um, you know, when people see what your rate is, they tend to think, okay, you're probably low quality or low cost or you uh, know, not not high performing. But I had to start somewhere in terms of building a portfolio. So we started off, I think, at like a seventy-five or six. Uh, I, can't remember. I think we started off at like $60 an hour <laughs> and then quickly did we realize that, Hey, that doesn't actually work. We can't actually make a business that way. Um, but then we grew, we evolved. And, um, over time we started attracting different types of clients, all sizes, startups, scale-ups to like fortune 500 companies. It's funny, uh, the fortune 500 companies that we work with are the ones that always treated us not the best. <laughs> and, uh, for them, and I think the general paradigm is when you hire somebody and you pay the money, you think that you kind of, it's not like you own them, but it's like, Hey, I'm paying you a service. Like I tell you what to do. Um, and uh, the the challenge of that type of mentality is that like, okay, cool. Like let's, let's end. Okay. You're, you're, you're paying me. I'm doing a service for you. And you're like, okay, it's my money. I'm giving you. So I'm telling you what to do. But then it's like, I'm the expert i know what we're doing why don't you then listen to what i'm trying to tell you so that you could you know build a better business or build a better marketing website or whatever um instead of micromanaging me just like let's not focus on that and like you know let's focus on more important things um and it's it's all based on the person you know like uh the people that we work with come from all walks of life Uh, have bad experiences, good experiences. And unfortunately, like the reality is in the the agency world, there's been a lot of bad juju that kind of happened in the industries. Like lots of companies uh, hired big, like big big professional service providers. And they thought that, hey, you know, uh, I have the best, I'm going to work with the best and I'm going to get the best. And over time, that dynamic, doesn't exist you know there's that whole uh perspective of like uh the a team comes and pitches me for the sale but then the b or c level team comes and does the work people that i've never met and that i've never got introduced to and they're somewhere in the back office not speaking to me not interacting with me and they don't give a a shit about what i'm what they're doing and that's the fundamental problem with some of like the older older school kind of agencies that uh, created a basically a bad rep bad street cred and so it's very hard going upstream when you're facing all this pressure of like this negativity towards agencies because people got burnt people got uh got ruined they lost their jobs because of some bad experience and then they everybody thinks it's the same everywhere with everybody else in the industry and and that's that's the frustrating part for me. Um, It's hard sometimes also aligning mindsets with the people that you want to work with, because you have to make sure that the way that they see things or the way they work, their, their belief or their values is similar to yours. And it requires a level of trust. And it's a partnership at the end of the day. The best clients that we've ever worked towards were the ones were like you guys know what you're doing here's my problem here's my objective and my plan for you know my company here that's it right and uh please figure it out how to solve this problem and that gives that empowers us and the team members individually to feel like, hey, I have the ability to go and do something, and I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to be appreciated for it. At The end of the day, all anybody wants is to have uh, appreciation for the work they do, the independence, the autonomy to be able to work, you know, within certain, you know, boundaries, but you know, have that ability. Um, to see things for what they are and to do what their professional guidance is telling them instead of constantly being micromanaged by somebody in terms of like, hey, that button, you know, it's blue but I think it's too blue. Let's make it lighter or let's make it green. Like who gives a shit about the color of that button? Focus about what the customer is gonna do, whether the customer is gonna use the product, pay for the product and, I can't say how many times we've been in situations where I tried to advise the CEOs that we work with that to get out of their innovators dilemma and um, you know, get out of that mindset that what you think is the only solution or what you think is best. Even though you are a subject matter expert and you might know what you're doing, but at the end of the day, it's what the market says. It's what the customer says. It's what the customer says by giving you their hard earned money. And there's been so many products that have started off and failed, Uh, not just with us, but I know hundreds of horror stories and it just all comes down back to alignment in terms of uh, having the ability to go and properly vet the idea and do the validation of it, uh, iterate quickly, cheaply right it doesn't it's not very expensive to go and test out different uh, ideas or concepts in the market these days there's so many tools out there but trying to get through to the client to explain that when they're so set in their ways is super challenging and we've um, we've canceled projects or we have ended relationships with certain individuals in the past because they, they just weren't listening to us. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I didn't want to take, I wasn't comfortable anymore. And my team wasn't comfortable anymore working with them and taking their money because we're not building something that is going to work. Right. And it wasn't done correctly. So it's uh, it's a frustrating thing.
0: What do you, put it down to what's the difference between and it does come a lot to down to the relationship and the trust that you have. If the person hires you, they have the trust, they know that you are the type of folks that know what you do and Carl linker does, then it's a lot easier. But what it what what it comes down to with one client that trusts you and the other one that is not is this existing relationship? Is this the personality? Is this just the length of time they know you or or it's just too hard to put it down to one thing.
1: It's a combination of all those. Like um, I think personality plays a big way. Um, There's a lot of people in high power titles at different organizations where um, they have the authority, Um, their team, unfortunately, fears them in some shape or form and they never get it straight from anybody because, you know, nobody gives it to them straight. And so then they're kind of like walking in the clouds and they're just like big believers in drinking their own Kool-Aid and uh, are are against anything or anybody saying anything uh, worth mentioning to them about like what they need to do. Um, In terms of trust and relationship, what we've seen is that 90% of all of our work comes from referrals very, very seldomly did we ever get like uh, a project that came in through a pure cold approach. And when it did happen, the way that we were able to secure those clients was because they saw that we have a good portfolio list of equal like organizations that we worked with. And everybody in say Toronto startup ecosystem knows each other. So there's a lot of other agencies that have looked at a lot of engagements which they do as transactional they go they wow them they have all these awards you know that is very surface level whereas behind the scenes there's like a lot of just crap <laughs> and, and uh you know they put this out there saying hey you know we have all these awards. i'm the best we're the best and um uh i know a you know, a few of them where they're, uh, a lot of their projects were just one time. And uh, those, unfortunately, is an example of those type of companies that ruin it for the rest of us um, because of what they, because of how they treat their customers. And uh, it's not transactional, it's relationship because you got to think of it in a way that even though you're working with somebody and um, uh, you're building something uh, that going to be public it's it's the way I, what i'm trying to say is that the way that we look at it is we want to sit on the same side of the table as our client partners do when we invest and we put our name in front of anything which we which we do with them it just has as much like potential success or failure as it is for them so um we have a lot of repeat business coming back and people refer us because they're like, Hey, these guys are, you know, they're good. They know what they're doing. They care as much, if not more than we do. Right. So when we are living and breathing their problems every day is what I think sets us apart because, um, we just give a shit more than they do sometimes. Right.
0: (laughs) But, but it's a challenge to communicate to the clients where, this is an agency and agencies do have a bad rep, but how do you actually tell them in plain English? So they believe that your work doesn't get outsourced to the C level folks, and you're going to get a certain level of standard of work. It's hard. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And I think the way that we've done that is I bring everybody who's going to be working on the project front and center into the very first call or the second call. But, in the whole sales process, the team that's gonna be potentially working on it from like an allocation perspective uh, is in those calls, they're listening, they're speaking to the customers. And what that helps us bridge is that gap because when my developer or my designer is uh, speaking to the client directly in a sales call before we even have a proposal or a contract out with them is they're listening There's no, you know, broken telephone, it's direct, you know, Uh, they see the, the pain that they're going through, you know, and through video these days, like we could capture, I think, enough to kind of feel how they're doing, right? Like what, what's their challenge and empathize with them? Because at the end of the day, if we can't empathize with them, then we don't, we can never really connect to them, you know, at some level and then if we can't connect to them then we can't build something that's going to help them Um, because we just we need to feel and share their kind of pain or what they're trying to do to create something together and i think that's what works or that's what's been working for us
0: is there a story where the relationship didn't go well either off from the start or you actually ended up having to cancel the project that you'd be comfortable sharing without mentioning the names or logos, anything where the fact that sometimes, unfortunately the agencies do get treated like shit. Is there anything yeah. that you could, uh, anything that uh, you think- So could- there
1: was um, <coughs> there was a, a project that we worked on um, and they've rebranded now uh, their company and uh, even going into the meetings uh a preliminary meeting sales meetings with them i kind of like was like i don't know like i really i really i really don't think the right client for us because they're saying one thing i'm saying another thing and they're not hearing me but at that time it was like the concept was interesting and it wasn't really done before and uh it was it was two it was two co-founders and nobody really had the ability also to say, this is what we're doing. You know, there was no, like sometimes in a startup, like it depends on the relationship you have. Like, I know we've interviewed like some people who have like three co-founders and they make it work. Right. With, uh, for them. with, with, with Lucas, uh, from talent.com and it works right for some people, but for some people, it just comes off as like, you can't get a line. You're speaking, Two different dialects to each other you're not you aren't even aligned right with each other and um we liked the idea so we're like, okay let's 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 start let's let's try to do it and um it was an mvp that we were uh, building for them um and then throughout the whole process like everything kept changing and that's okay um it's okay that an idea a concept, a product, a design, everything can change, especially we're working in an agile manner. Um, but what wasn't working was they're just, they're dynamic. Um, it just, that's, that killed it for us because we're, we're, we're constantly doing something and they say one thing, another one says another thing we incorporate everything. And it just, it was, it just never worked. And, um, and there was a time where, like you know, they tried to kind of like uh, level with us, and like you know, we tried to have like an open conversation to just get everything off everybody's chest, and I, it worked, but then like the next day came, and like it was like a reset button, and nothing really changed. <laughs> and um, they wanted to keep working with us, uh, but as I said, as a CEO, you got to be constantly feeling and empathizing with everybody right so you got to be like the sponge and you got to feel what the client's feeling you got to feel what the team's feeling and the moment the team stops losing interest like it's game over right like they're not gonna keep working on it or they're not gonna give two two craps about it anymore because they're like why am I doing this if they don't if they don't appreciate what I'm doing um and so unfortunately we uh, we just said hey guys like this is not working i like we recommend we'll do the handover we'll transfer everything over to you um we're not going to continue with the next phase and uh, we parted ways with like uh with a decent budget i think going forward to but it was the cost and the benefit just didn't make sense it just came to a point where like okay like I, you know i'd rather find something else or put the team into something where they're more appreciated or valued In terms of their insight and it's happened you know over time you know in different ways and each story is never the same it's a very different path to get to each end state I find Um, the other thing that's sometimes frustrating for me is nobody gives it straight Um, it's all kind of wishy-washy sometimes you know they they're saying something but then in their head they're thinking something else and I just wish people would just be And I I was like, might sound weird, but like, you know, when we work with um, people in the U S like with our U S clients, it's so refreshing because it's like, give it to you straight. They just give it to you straight. I'm not going to work with you. Great. I'm going to move on now to the next person or I'm not happy with this around. Yeah. I don't like this and this and this perfect. Let me go work on this. Right. But then in other times, like, It's not just Canadians, but even like, you know, in in other cultures, they just like don't want to rock the boat. And then we're basically just like twirling our thumbs, going around in circles, instead of we could have just gotten straight to the point in terms of what the problem is. Um, And it's sometimes very hard to to get to that point because it requires prying stuff out of people. And if people are introverted or, you know, whatever, they they just not might be comfortable sharing that or giving somebody some bad news which is then a personality thing right because yeah i want to work with people who are at the same kind of mindset as we are and and like a level state like a mind state where they can be fair uh, but firm um but always give it to us straight don't curveball. Just go go in for the kill. When you see it, call it out. Um, it keeps us thinking. Oh shit, you know, we need to be always on our on our tippy toes, you know, so to speak. You know. Um, but instead of like sucking energy out of uh, of us over months, it could have been handled. It could have been just like, you know, brought out in like a day. In a call, in a phone call,
0: you know. So yeah, I, I remember I've been I was hired once by an American, uh, American woman, and it was an amazing experience. It was a, such an incredible interview. Like, oh, so you kind of did you did this? You you know a little bit about it? Great, you're hired. <laughs> it was it was fantastic, and I appreciate I so much appreciated the the level of. I, I think it really comes down to the and mentality yeah. piece. Yeah. Yes. It's also like they give it to you direct like and they give you an ability they give you a chance because I found with Canadian folks and it's in many ways is how their companies do operate or companies operate Canadian ones is that they are so risk averse they 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 quadruple check everything and it just kills the whole dynamic 100%.
1: It's 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 a like it's a it's a very conservative risk aversion mindset Um, and um, it's it's hard to change like you you can't change people maybe over time but if it's like a three six month engagement like why waste your energy trying to change people's philosophy or mindsets fundamentally you just rather put the effort towards finding clients who are on the same wavelength as you, instead of trying to change people. You're just wasting your time and their time and money and energy.
0: Do you have a a favorite failure that could be client client failure, your personal failure, maybe by favorite that could be a, a funny or funny aspect to it? Or pretty much any anyone that you think could fit the bill it. it's a um, pr- pretty pretty broad pretty broad question but you, you could go either way personal or client
1: um so when we were growing and scaling out our team i um i needed to bring on some more leadership um talent into the into the organization because we were always, um, everybody was kind of equal. And, you know, when I needed to bring in some key, key position spots to be filled, I didn't really know how to do, I I didn't really know how to go about it. And um, for me, I was inexperienced at that time. And I'm, you know, I fundamentally made um, the wrong, the wrong hires in certain occasions. When I reflect on that, it was it created some toxicity, it created, um, uh, it just led led to sometimes poor morale. Um, and I should have nipped it in the butt a lot quicker. And I know some of our own clients uh, went through some stuff similar. Um, and a lot of great people left. Um, and it's, it, as a, as like an individual, like you can't know everything, right? So I made I made some mistakes. I made I brought on at times kind of the wrong people, and I should have I should have a- action on that. I think earlier on in order to uh, I don't know, not reset. I'm trying to find the word, but just trying to like I needed to make those decisions faster in order to bring things back on track essentially
0: just go keep keep going forward
1: uh, yeah to just keep going Go, cool. yeah and um and they were you know uh, you know uh, truthfully i'm not um a lot of people think that uh you know ceos pull in the most amount in terms of salary and things like that and uh, uh, i i I'm, i've never been the most um uh high I, i've never been the high salaried in person on the team and i i don't really care about that Uh, the reason why i bring it up is because everybody in their professional life has different um needs and wants in terms of like what they want to use with their money and things like that so i've never really cared i have like the salary that i i have right now is sufficient for me i i don't you know there's like that kind of like what is it, Uh, I think 70, 75K has been proven to be the salary that's enough, right? Right. I I remember reading that somewhere. And it's true, like, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I was just watching something where he said that, you know, he knows lots of people who are getting paid, uh, you know, 150,000 and then got paid 200,000 and their lives became miserable, so... So I have like I think I know what my balance is, and other people have obviously different things that they want in their life. You know, some people are driven by money and titles and you know different things. Um, but kind of going back to your question, I, I just I uh, I was a bit immature at the time, and I didn't know how to handle the conflicts internally when they were rising up um, quick enough, and that I think led to a failure of me in terms of the eyes. Of my team in terms of poor leadership and i always say everybody i don't have all the answers guys like i'm just somebody pointing in like one direction and i think that's the way to go and i know there's a, a star a star trek analogy here uh, where <laughs> i i think there was a something i read that uh, you know he landed on one planet and he pointed in terms of one direction it's like okay we're gonna go that way and everybody's mm-hmm. like why he's like i don't know but i think that's just like let's try right and people in our, in our team, in any team, in any organization have to all understand that, hey, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all can fall flat on our face and, um, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and fail. But I think what sets a good leader in some ways is admitting to their mistakes realizing that they're, that they had it or that they, you know, just went through it and then figuring out how they're going to avoid it next time. Um, and if you're always honest with your team in terms of, Hey guys, I really failed. It humanizes you a bit on many levels. It makes you, it makes them realize, Hey, you know, Aram can make mistakes just as I can. He's not perfect. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I have countless, countless things with my, you know, previous co-founder co-ceo that i had you know it's uh it was tricky at that time and like i have so many examples but you learn over time how to be better at your craft and the only way to do that is by living through it um there's no book podcast ebook ED. mba yeah world that would ever replace practical experience um by a long shot i i did my um i did my degree in entrepreneurship my my bachelor of commerce with a major in entrepreneurship and a lot of theory we did some practical stuff towards the end but right away after graduating i did my first business it was an e-commerce startup i learned more in those three years than i did in like my whole like education life So what I would recommend to anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, go do it. Just go try. You could always go back to where you are, right? Nothing's going to change. Like, you'd be surprised. Like, you could go try something and probably, most likely, all the people that, you know, um, were there when you left are probably still going to be there, you know, because it takes a very different mindset to go and, and try something to go out of your way, to go and learn, to go and fail. And it just makes you so much better, uh, so much more of like a well-rounded generalist, I think, at the end of the day.
0: I noticed one thing that uh, was really profound just very recently is uh, ability or uh, awareness of not taking big leaps. Because people, when they think about entrepreneurship, they're like, oh my God, I have to quit everything. I have to divorce my my wife and I have to go and jump from the airplane. You know, you don't have to do that. In fact, that's probably a bad idea. You, you don't quit that. anything. You just just like just, just write a line of code, one line of code a day. Yeah. And now you're, you're, you're starting on, on, on a journey that, that, tr- that triggers a sequence of events that allows you to learn something and go further. But like, it's interesting because people kind of put this big step as, as the way to self-block themselves. Which is really fascinating.
1: I think people set their own roadblocks uh, themselves. Fundamentally, I think humans, as humans, we are uh, afraid of change. We are afraid of uh, risk. And uh, I think what it takes to do those type of things that you're saying is just uh, commitment and being a bit fearless, right? Like you, you said, it like. Right? You, you, um, A lot of people think entrepreneurship is like you got to jump in with two feet. No, you could you could keep your job that's paying you and supporting your family. And at the same time, spend an hour every day. You'd be surprised what an hour every day, five, six days a week can do. Um, You know, go through it slowly. Get to the point where you're starting to maybe make some income. Don't quit your job yet keep doing it until like you really start to hit the nail on the head and you see real opportunity there that you could actually maybe consider quitting your job. One of the things that I like when I went to the Founder Institute program, Mm. which is like a pre-accelerator for startups, is they make you sign a resignation letter from wherever you're working. And they make you, I think, sign it like pretty early on in the program. And they make you uh, sit on it until you get to the point where you're in your business or you're through the program or when you need to trigger it in order to um, move on from your whatever you're doing it's ready it's there right for you and it when I when I when I did mine it, it was kind of hard writing your own kind of resignation letter or you know um, but I, it's 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 that idea it's that mindset right like um Also, what I want to say is that don't don't think that whatever you have is is everlasting. Um, there's um, things change, markets change. Uh, look at the pandemic. nobody expected it. Uh, you look at the companies that were set. they had everything. great revenue, uh, great business model, and then um, and then this this came and, People got totally, you know, they were in their career, they were in their jobs and they loved it. And then boom, they were layoffs in tons of industries. Um, and then the unfortunate thing is that those people, it came up too abruptly for them and they never had the, the knowledge in order to start a transition or they never, you know, uh, already started the process because the they were too dependent in terms of where they were. Um, and I think everybody should have a side hustle.
0: That's true. I've heard it from somebody else too. Like this is such a profound point. And what you mentioned around, uh, when you mentioned around the resignation letter that reminded me of, uh, Will Smith analogy when he spoke, when he talked about jumping out of the airplane, he said, once you're, once you're ready to jump, uh, they count on three and they push you on two because people grab on and three.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually jumped out of a plane before. It was it's pretty cool. Um, um, It's a it's a surreal
0: experience. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, twenty twenty one. Hopefully, we'll (laughs) we'll do more of that. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. From any final messages to an audience, anything I have not asked you, you wish I did. Anything you'd like a, a, an audience to walk away with? Folks who are right now building their businesses, maybe they're thinking about building their businesses. Maybe they're thinking about hiring an agency, or not even hiring, but just considering product build, product help.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, really reflect. So, like on the on the project side, right? Um, it's the end of the year. A lot of people are trying to think and plan out what they want to do next year, whether it's a marketing website, whether it's a new product. Really think about why you want to do it, what's your goal, what success is gonna look like for you. Try to quantify it a bit and try to put some metrics around it and really understand what you know who you're going to be targeting to, what's in it for them, How can you test the idea early on? Very low effort. How can you reach those people effectively? How can you touch your customers um, in a way that is affordable and potentially scalable in the future? Um, And uh, focus more on uh, your customers in terms of what they want and need as well. Um, Spend the time, spend the effort and energy reaching out to them and talking to them. And when you do it, Ask the questions and then just shut up and listen because they'll just probably give you a, a novel in terms of things that uh, you know they they want or they need or their challenges which they have. Um, yeah, I think listening is important um, to every to everybody. Uh, don't be don't be uh, big headed or whatever. <laughs> you know, don't put yourself up on a pedestal even though you might be a senior person somewhere go and speak if you're at a large organization go and speak to your uh, junior lower entry kind of uh people in your organization the ones that are probably speaking to your customers understand what they're what they're going through understand what their customers are telling them and listen and that goes all the way to everywhere to a ceo of um you know a startup of five people um just just do more listening and less uh, actioning before you really know what you're doing and why
0: Ram, it was a pleasure that was so cool great to uh, great to switch roles or actually I'd rather say jump my, jump into being a host and and have you been uh, being a, a subject
1: yeah no problem It was cool um, it allowed me to kind of like really uh, get it all out there because I've had a long, thought process in terms of all the things over the last year I want to say so I'm, I'm happy I got it out
0: totally and uh for you for you guys this was uh an off the record or this was an off episode of off the record show with Aram and I'm just the guest host and uh great to have Aram and uh have this conversation hopefully it's, it's helpful for you for the founders of folks who are trying to build something and uh and do really cool work in uh, 2021
1: Oh, awesome well, it was great uh it's
0: great having you as a guest host, Sergey thank you <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you Ron, for for agreeing to do this it was fun we are